I'm so excited about being here today and releasing the word of the Lord. Uh, even during the service, God was speaking to me. Uh, there's things I will be sharing, not today, but in the future. Because uh, I, I want you to learn how to move out of God's authority that he has placed in your life and not your own. And, uh, and once you do, you start opening the heavens in a different way over your life. But today, I'm going to talk about kingly decrees. Moving from priestly petitions only into kingly decrees. Ever since I was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in 1976, I became a man of prayer. I know when you go to prayer meetings, most of the time the majority of people there are women. But you'll always find me in a prayer meeting, and you'll always find me wherever people are praying. It's just something I've always done. I've always prayed. I went, when I started reading the Bible, and after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I found out that Jesus would go and spend, you can go ahead and hand those out, thank you. He would go and spend the evening in the woods just talking to the Lord. He'd go out in the wilderness. I did that because I thought that was what you were supposed to do. I went and spent time on the lake. I love to fish. I love to hunt. And there were many times that I would go hunting or fishing that the hunting and fishing was put on hold so that I could spend time with the Lord. It became a place where God would always meet me. Let me share this with you. If you routinely go into a place of prayer and worship, God will meet you there every time you go back there. And you can actually even skip two or three months and go back there, and God will meet you there. One of the greatest times in my life was when I was restored from a backslidden state in 1979. And along about the end of 1978, I... I got away from the Lord, quit following him, and Cheryl and I were building a brand new home, and that same year, I was on my way to work one night and, broke my, and had a car accident, broke my arm, cracked my nose, and several other things, and I was out of, not able to work at my job for about eight weeks. And so we were moving in our new home, Now all this time I'm backslidden, and I couldn't do a thing. I could not help move at all, because I even had hernia repaired, that same, I had a broke arm, broke arm in three places, this hand was laying over here like this, and I had a hernia repaired, nose set back in place, and I couldn't do anything, and so I had to depend on people to help me move into our house, and you know who helped me move in? The church people, the church that I had walked away from. Help me move into our new house or help Cheryl. It was a little bit embarrassing for me, but after we got moved in, I'll never forget this. I was laying on our sofa in the den, and then up under the corner of the sofa there, just sticking out about that far, was my Bible. Now, how it got there, we just moved in the house. How it got there, I do not know. But I picked that Bible up, and immediately it fell open to Matthew 6 where Jesus said, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and all this kind of stuff. And immediately the Spirit of God came upon me. And when the Lord came upon me, he said this to me. He said, I sure have missed you. He did not come with any judgment whatsoever. He did not come with meanness or harshness. He said, I sure have missed you. 
And I began weeping and crying over the fact that the Lord was telling me, I've missed you. You see, when you and I fail to communicate with the Lord, he misses us. And I got up immediately and went into my utility room to pray. And uh, it was a great place to pray at the time because it wasn't filled with junk. You know, after you've been there a while, it gets filled with junk. But it was kind of vacant at that moment except for a washer and dryer. And I spent four hours in prayer with the Lord that day. And then all of a sudden, it routinely became a part of my life. I, turned my, I put a little twin bed in the utility room. I put a little prayer altar there in the utility room. And that became part of my routine that I would go there every day. Even after I went back to work, I would spend three to four hours a day in prayer talking to the Lord. And every time I went there... Every time I went to my utility room, every time I went to the lake, every time I went to the woods, God would meet me there because that's a place that the Lord knows that he can come and talk to you. He did the same thing with Adam and Eve. Listen to this. Prayer is the momentum that leads to all of the great moves of God. Let me say this again. Every move of God, without exception, has been birthed out of prayer. Prayer is necessary for you and I to step into in order to see the destiny of God fulfilled in our life, in our city, in our state. Prayer is a momentum. Prayer is what is birth revivals. It births healings. It births miracles, deliverance. Prayer births relationship between you and the Lord. All of that is birthed out of a place of intercession. Several years ago, the word of the Lord came to Dutch Sheets concerning our nation. And and the Lord said this to him, in order to shift this nation, you must move from priestly petition only into kingly decrees. Several different types of prayer. We're going to talk about two of them today. We're going to talk about priestly petition, and we're going to talk about kingly decrees. Petition, a petition is priestly and that it is from the earth up to heaven. That's how priests pray. They offer up to God. In the Old Testament, they offered up to God. When you look at the writings about Melchizedek, the king of Salem, you find that not only was he a king, but he was also a priest. He was both of those. Hebrews tells us about that. He carried a dual role of being a priest and being a king. He operated in two realms. One realm is a realm of offering from heaven, up, um, offering from earth up into the heaven. That's the priestly realm. And then he talks about his kingly realm, and that's offering out of heaven down into the earth. Two different things. So when you're moving in priestly prayer, you're moving in petition. It's from earth to heaven. Priestly petitions offers up to the Lord. For the most part, priestly petitions have been from the earth upward. Sacrifices, prayers, worship, etc. have been priestly only for many years. Let me share this with you and then we'll continue. Is that most of our prayer and most of our worship has been from a priest's position rather than from a king's position. And there's a difference. In, in the priest's position, whether it's worship or whether it's prayer, we offer up to God. But in a king position, when you're in worship, you're worshiping around the king. You're not worshiping in the presence of people. You're worshiping in the realm of where G- King Jesus is. <coughs> when you go to the book of Revelation, 
All worship took place around the throne. It didn't take place on an earthly level. And the Lord is trying to get us today from an earthly level into a kingly level up around the throne and where we worship from around that place. Listen to this. Nothing wrong with priestly petitions. We're going to continue to make priestly petitions, but we also need to move in kingly decrees. Why do we do priestly petitions? One of the reasons that the Bible and God says that we should, that we should offer up to him the sacrifices that are due unto him. Another reason why is that many times it's something that we've always done. I get around, I'm always listening to people, and especially when they're praying, not so much that I want to hear from them, I'm wanting to hear what the Lord is praying through them. Sometimes people are just praying out of themselves, but there are times where they tap into the kingdom of heaven, and they're praying what the Lord is praying. And they begin praying that back down into the earth. They're coming from a heavenly realm down into the earthly realm. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that he has seated us in heavenly places. Say heavenly places. We're not seated in earthly places. We're seated in heavenly places, which means that you and I have to now begin to think differently. We don't need to think earthly. We need to think heavenly. Say, think heavenly. Look at somebody and say, think heavenly. You've heard the saying that they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I believe just the opposite. I believe that to, be, to do the earth any good, you're going to have to be heavenly minded. Otherwise, we just jump in what everybody else is doing. Sometimes petition is motivated by need. Not by what the Lord is saying or the Lord wants, but it's just motivated by need. Let's read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to be taught how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And there's several things I wish I'd written down. I thought about it after I had made that, filled this out, about the Lord wanting to teach us to pray. Praying sometimes is you not saying anything. Praying sometimes is just getting quiet and listening to the Lord. And don't take me the wrong way. How about y'all changing that slide to something that's heavenly? Where was I? Sometimes... And I, that was a good place. Sometimes prayer is not saying anything but listening. Listening to what the Lord is saying. Sometimes we talk too much. And we don't listen to the Lord enough. People tell me all the time, God doesn't speak to me. And that's, I tell them that's not true. He does speak to you. And if you say that, God doesn't speak to me. You're walking in unbelief because his word said, I will speak to you. I will call to you. I will answer you. And so you and I need to learn how to listen. Say, listen. Listen to the Lord. So prayer sometimes is just listening. I was 
sharing with somebody this past week that I, there's times that I would just put in my earbuds and I'll put on Rick Pino or Klaus Kuhn or somebody like that and I just get into a secret place. I'm not even saying anything. I'm not singing. I'm just listening for the Lord. Not really listening to what they're singing, just getting caught up in the presence so that I can hear what the Lord is saying. Because when I hear from Him, I can decree that back down into the earth and get results. That's a good word there. Let's read on here. Teach us to pray. He said to them, when you pray, when you pray, say it. He's given us a model here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to read part of this to you out of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses five through eight. And when you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. One translation says openly. When you, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. And then he goes into the model prayer, which we just read. Larry Lee, several years ago, back in the 80s, I think it was, came out with a model of prayer, and he called, Could You Not Tarry for an Hour? And he went through this entire Matthew 6 prayer and taught the model, but he broadened the model to where you can begin praying in different ways that model of prayer. This is a powerful prayer, but that prayer was to be a model of how we pray. He also says, and that whole, that whole prayer thing that we just read, almost all of it is priestly except one portion. And I'll, I'll show you that in a little bit, not yet. All of it is priestly except for one portion. Now let's read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And coming to him as living stones, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, and you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There we see the priestly realm being imparted again. Kingly decrees are kingdom prayer. Kingly prayer and kingly decrees is from the earth down into, uh, from the heaven, I'm sorry, from the heavens down into the earth. The role is just reversed. Kingly prayers happen when you and I move into the spirit realm and stop walking in our humanity. That's going to be a stretch for some of you. I'm only human. I hated that song then. I still hate it today. Paul rebuked the Corinth church 
for calling themselves and thinking that they were mere men. You and I are sons and daughters of the living God. And our position that we operate from is the third heaven. We don't operate from an earthly realm. And so kingly decrees originate in the heavens and are decreed back down into the earth. A king, when he, when he begins to set up his kingdom, he doesn't request his people do anything. A king will make a writ or he will make an order or he will make a decree and say this is what the kingdom looks like. When you go through the scriptures, and especially you read through the four gospels, you start finding that Jesus was establishing a kingdom. It's what he was establishing. He was seeking to establishing God's kingdom in the earth. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. He's not going to get rid of this planet, unlike some eschatologists say. This is his planet. He is going to refine it, but this planet belongs to him. I'll stretch them if you have said what I thought just now, so I won't stretch you that far. Kingly decrees here what is being prayed in heaven, comes into agreement with God, and prays that back down into the earth. It's coming from a position of the king's domain. And this is important. I own a website called forerunner-ministries.org. It's my domain. Thankfully, I'm starting to get people to help me keep that domain up, but it belongs to me. It belongs to Ken Malone. I've paid for it. I bought it. It's mine, and I can say on there whatever I feel like I need to say. I have several other things that's my domain. My, my Facebook page, uh, Ken Malone, is my domain, and I can say on there anything that I want to say. Sometimes I say things that people don't like. Sometimes I th say things that people get blessed by. Whenever I say things that are political in nature, there are people who don't like it because they don't think the church should be involved in politics. God's always been involved in politics. And that's what I tell them when they tell me they don't like that. And, uh, and then I put things on there that people are blessed by. You know, they encouraged by and that sort of thing. But this type of prayer, a kingly prayer, it always prays according to the will of God. The book of 1 John, it says, we have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. When you and I are praying according to the will of God, we know that we have petitions that, are that, that we make and that we have are coming to, from Him. This prayer, kingly prayer, is according to the will of God, and it is heard from within the third heaven. Say third heaven. This is a place you want to live in. You want to live in a third heaven realm. Some people call it the third day. You want to live in our, our, our third day move of God. You want to live in the third heaven realm. This type of prayer is praying in agreement with the will of God. This type of prayer is taken from the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, so many of us today, we don't eat from that tree of life. We eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You and I just don't eat from the evil side. We eat from the good side, and that's how we justify eating from that tree. The tree of life will produce life when what you're decreeing is spoken. 
This type of prayer, kingly prayer, is always kingdom focused. Say kingdom focused. It doesn't focus on me. As a matter of fact, let me just take this a little beyond that. Kingdom prayer, even when I'm praying, most of the time, I won't say all the time, but most of the time will not focus on you. It will focus on the kingdom and what God wants to do in the kingdom. I had people who said that they were proud of me because of the stance that I took for Kavanaugh. And the praying that we did, we, I spent two weeks in a row up there. Hal was with us in one week it was up there. But I said to them, I said, I did not do that for Kavanaugh. That was not a Kavanaugh-motivated two trips to Washington, D.C. It was a kingdom-motivated trip to bring this nation back under God's kingdom rule. It could have been anybody. We were there because we wanted to see God's kingdom established in America like he intended it to be in Jesus' name. It's always kingdom-focused. Listen to this. Let me, let, me just pause. let me just interject something here. When we were praying for the election in 2016, we were up there in February of that year. We really didn't know at that time, I, I was leaning a certain way, but we really did not know at that time who God wanted to put in office. It's hard to pray when you don't know who God wants to put into office. However, we had assurance of God's will of one person he didn't want in that office. And so we prayed accordingly. We didn't, we had no clue. God, who do you want in here? You know, I prayed with several people throughout the year, several different groups inviting me to join. I had monthly prayer meetings or sometimes weekly prayer meetings uh, for the election. I'm very, very involved when it comes time for the election. Those of you that have been around me, you know that right now I'm in another frame of mind than I'm normally in. And uh, many of them wanted to pray against Trump. And I said, I will not join your prayer meeting if you pray against him. There was something in me that was leaning toward him, although I could not say with confidence that that's who it was going to be. I was leaning that way. And when the uh, primary election came, I did vote for Trump. And uh, because of the way that God was leaning me. But when we were in D.C., we closed the door to the person that we knew God did not want in there. See, there's things that God wants over the Space Coast, over your state, over your region, and the city where you live that's going to take you and I hearing what the Lord is saying out of the heavens and decreeing that back down into the earth. We do not live in a Sarah Sarah society. We live in a society called the kingdom of God. The Sarah Sarah society is the earthly and the human society. But we live in the society of the kingdom where the king of kings and the Lord of lords issues a decree out of the heavens and says, I want you to pray this down in the earth. Praise God. And when you do, you start getting results. There have been times that we prayed a kingly decree that we knew was from the Lord that we saw immediate results. Sometimes right then. Sometimes within a week. 
But we knew that we was praying what God was praying. The Bible says that Jesus makes intercession for us. We need to come into agreement with him, but the only way to get in that agreement is to get up into third heaven living and hear what he is decreeing and praying and decree that back down in the earth. For many of us, we never get there because of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. What Jesus talked about in Matthew 4, they enter in and they start choking the word out of us and we're not able to hear what the Lord is saying. That's why the enemy will attack you with all kind of junk throughout the week to get your focus away from him. You just need to say to him, hey, just put this on hold. I'm focusing on Jesus right now. Hey, devil, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Amen. So we're going to look at this kingly prayer again. So he said to them, when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Almost this whole prayer is priestly, except for one portion. And one portion of this, he shifts from priestly into kingly, but then he goes back to priestly. So he's teaching us how to do both of these things. Where he says there, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a kingly decree, not a priestly petition. That is what you call a declarative statement. It's not a request. He's saying, when you pray, I want you to declare that the kingdom of God has come and the will of God is being done now in Jesus' name. I decree right now over Florida's election that the kingdom of God has come to it and the will of God is being done right now in Jesus' name. I decree that every Shebna will be ousted from their office and the Eliakims will come forward in Jesus' name. That's out of Isaiah 22 if you care to go and study that. See, that's a kingly decree. It's a declaration. It's when you move from priestly petition only into making a declaration. But declarations need to come out of the heavens. Let me share this with you. For 20 years, I knew every time we had a governor's election who the next governor of Florida was going to be. I knew when Jeb Bush ran who it was going to be. I knew when Charlie Chris ran who it was going to be. I knew when uh, Rick Scott ran who it was going to be, and I made a lot of people mad in Florida, especially the Republican Party, during the primary because their other guy, Bill McCullum, was their poster boy. What you need to understand is the poster boy is not always God's pick. But this was a different election. And I kept waiting to hear from the Lord. I said, Lord, who? I mean, even when the primary was going on, Lord, who do you want to be the next governor? And I never got an answer. I cried out and I cried out. I was in turmoil over this because God's given me the state to some degree to steward. And I was in tremendous turmoil over who the next governor of Florida was going to be. Then I shifted focus. 
Because I knew who the Lord didn't want it to be. Amen. So now I have been praying accordingly. Who I know God does not want in there. So you shift the way that you pray. Into praying how the kingdom prays down into the earth. Kingdom prayers are declarations. They're kingly. They have authority. But to understand that type of prayer, you also have to understand kingdom. If you don't understand kingdom, you won't understand kingly decrees and kingly prayers. They're declarations. They're kingly. They have authority in it. Kingly intercession. Let me share this with you. Kingly decrees is not about how loud you are. When we overthrew a principality down in Key West, some of you know the story, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but God had told me to go and put my feet in the threshold of every saloon, every gay and lesbian nightclub, every house of prostitution, and every strip club, and to decree that the kingdom of God has come and the will of God is being done. And that's all I prayed. I took 12 people with me from Key West because I wanted accountability. And so I went and I put my feet in the threshold. And I didn't go into Pentecostal travail. I didn't say the kingdom of God has come. I just said like this. I decree the kingdom of God has come to Key West and his will is being done. I didn't lengthen my prayer. I left, when I said that, I left and went to the next place. The first place I went to was a prostitution house called Scrubs. And I stood there with my feet in the threshold. I decreed that the kingdom of God has come. His will is being done. And on to the next place and next place and next place. And most of you know the results of that, that the following week they were, it was Fantasy Fest where the gays and lesbians from across America descend upon Key West, and they go nude on Duval Street for seven days. Except this particular year, it did not happen. Amen. Just because a group of people prayed one simple prayer, we didn't request, we said, we decree the kingdom of God has come, and his will is being done. If we would start decreeing this over our families, over our prodigals, Over our cities, I decree that the kingdom of God has come to Melbourne. His will is being done. I decree that the kingdom of God has come to Satellite Beach. His will is being done. I decree that the kingdom of God has come to Titusville. Or you may want to say your family. I decree that the kingdom of God has come to the Malone family and his will is being done in Jesus' name. It's making a declaration. Maybe you need to pray that over your spouse. And you say, I decree that the kingdom of God has come and his will is being done over George or over Betty or over my wife, Cheryl. You start praying that way. Look at that. She's laying hands on Paul there. You start praying that. And, and if you would get yourself a prayer cloth and start praying kingdom prayers over your spouse, over your loved ones, And slide that into their pillowcase. Don't pray no mamby-pamby prayer. You pray a kingly prayer. And slide that handkerchief into their pillowcase. All of a sudden, they're not able to sleep at night. Because the anointing of God is coming upon them when they contact that pillow. All of a sudden, it's 
They're staying up all night. They don't know why. But the Lord begins dealing with them because you've been praying kingly prayers. You stop praying unbelieving petitions about them, and you start decreeing they are saved. I decree the kingdom of God has come. His will is being done. And I call my spouse saved of the Lord. I call him a son or daughter before they even become a son or daughter. I call those things that be not as though they were, Hebrews 4, 17. Woo! I'd dance if, you, if I could. That's a good word. Kingly intercession is birthed out of the kingdom realm or the king's domain. Its focus is to pray what Jesus is praying. Kingdom defined. Matthew 16, verse 18, 19. This is out of the Passion Translation because this translation translates the scripture better than any of the others. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys, say keys, of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. This is a good scripture here. He first begins to identify the ecclesia. They have it right up there. They begin to identify the ecclesia and says that the ecclesia is a legislative body. Ecclesia is not what you and I think of church. Ecclesia is a group of people who have come together to rule and reign in the spirit in the earth. They've gone into the heavens, they've heard what the Lord is saying, and that ecclesia turns and brings that back down into the earth. They bring the decrees. They bring everything that God has said. The Lord says, this is my answer. Someone pray the answer into the earth. When the Lord told me in Key West, you go and decree that my kingdom has come. My will is being done in in Key West. I went and I decreed out of the heavens down into the earth the things that God has said was upon Key West. And it began to shift the city. The city shifted so much that it went from a mayor, a 22-year incumbent, who was pro abortion, pro-homosexuals, into a born-again mayor being in office. That same year, there was a huge shift in Key West because the atmosphere had shifted over the, over the city. When we went and made those decrees with the ecclesia of that region, the atmosphere shifted over Key West. Matter of fact, it was started being written in magazines that Key West was no longer a homosexual-friendly city. Everything shifted in that time frame. I actually had a dream that the previous year. We were, we were going, we, were, we had planned a Jeremiah 33-3 prayer tour across Florida. We went to 33 cities, and we were, Key West was one of them. And had this dream, and in this dream, I was taking down an old rickety picture frame off the wall. The picture frame was falling apart. It had wormholes in it. And I took it off and I set it down on the floor and inscribed on the wall were the words as if though it's been, it was etched in the walls. It said this right here. 6 slash 17 Ken call Chuck. Well, June 17th is when we were going to do 
the Jeremiah 33, 3 tour. And we really didn't understand, I didn't understand that dream. And so I called up Chuck Pierce and I said, this is the dream that I had. And the Lord told me in this dream to call you. He said, well, what was on the picture? I said, I don't have a clue. Only thing I saw was the picture frame. And it was rickety, shaky, and had wormholes going all through it. He said, that's the spirit of wormwood. When you go there, you deal with the spirit of worm, wormwood. It's mentioned in the Bible. It's also mentioned in C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. That wormwood, wormwood demon is mentioned there as well. And so we, we focused on the date. And then when we got there, we met the guy who was going to become the next mayor at that time of Key West. We met him. But then we were having a meeting in the Doubletree Hotel. I had rented a big old facility about the size of this right here. And we were doing a, a meeting there. And we had some powerful worshiping warriors with us. They did not mind worshiping. They were stomping. They were dancing. This group of people that used to run with me back then, they would go into a meeting ahead of me. They'd come in there about two hours early before I got there, and they would literally change the entire atmosphere before I ever showed up. And they were some worshiping warriors, praying warriors. And so these warriors were jumping up and down all over this place, and all of a sudden, bam, like a, with a boom, the power went out. But it didn't go just out in the double tree. It went out across the entire city. To this day, they don't know why that they lost power. I know why. The framework, the frame of Key West was being changed. And that which held it in bondage was being released so that God could put a new frame in place. Then the mayor came into office and he was born again and began to make changes that were needed in that city. That's an example of kingly intercession, kingly worship. This verse of scripture right here, it talks about the ecclesia, but the content of verses 18 and 19 is not ecclesia. The content is kingdom. And you have to understand that. If your focus is just on ecclesia, and we're learning about the ecclesia, so that's why we've had a lot of focus on it. But this right here begins to share what the ecclesia is about. He says, I'm going to give you heaven's keys, the keys of heaven's kingdom realm. The kingdom, which is a Greek word, basilia, it means royalty, it means rule, it's a realm, it means the exercise of kingly rule, it means dominion means all of those things, the Greek word basilia. So when he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he did not say, I'm going to give you earthly keys to figure this out. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven's realm. I'm going to give you heavenly keys. I'm going to give you keys that's going to unlock the heavens down in the earth. So you and I are called to heavenize the earth. Hello. Not to let the earth go to hell in a handbasket. People say, ask me sometimes, say, Brother Ken, are you a dominionist? I say, if you mean that I, do I believe in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, then I guess you could call me a dominionist. I don't think we're going to take dominion over everything in the earth before Jesus comes. 
But I think that there will be portion because there will be, when he comes, sheep nations and goat nations. Even the Lord showed Chuck when he had that vision in 2008. He showed Chuck the sheep states and the goat states. And so I don't think we'll take all of it, but I think we'll take some of it. I think as long as the praying church is doing what she's doing, we'll begin to take elections over and over again. Thank God that Trump's keeping things stirred up so that we'll continue to pray. Otherwise, we'll just lull back to sleep. Things are staying stirred up. This could be called the kingdom, king's domain. He gives us the keys to the kingdom, keys to rule, keys of dominion, keys of royalty. These are not earthly but heavenly, but they're to be used in the earth. They're to be used in this realm. You see, the Bible teaches us in Revelations chapter 1, verse 6, that we are priests and kings and royalty to our God. It says there in Revelation 1, 6, I'm reading, 1, 6, I'm reading to you out of the King James. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Some translations have lately interpreted that or translated that to be a kingdom of priests. And I'm, I don't mind it that they do that. But when you look up the Greek word, it not only means kingdom, it means kings. It means rulership. So I believe that God has made us both priests and kings unto our Lord. He is the king. Jesus is the king of what? All right. And he's the Lord of lords. In the spirit realm, you and I are kings in the spirit realm. We should operate as kings. Next page. And being the ecclesia, we are to release kingdom rule in the earth. The rulership of heaven is to be released in the earth. Whenever Dutch and I were in Washington, D.C., we, 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 we took a different strategy than when Hal and I were there, although the, our strategy was good, but this strategy was totally different. We decided not to go in to the office, the senator's offices, while the office was from, from 9 to 5. That's when most of the people there. But it stays open to 8 p.m. So he and I would go at 5 p.m. because we didn't have to deal with the contention that was in the atmosphere from the protesters. Because once all the office people went home, they went home. They could have protested three more hours. And you really have to focus on your assignment when you're operating in kingly decrees. And I'll share this with you. You have to focus on your assignment because during that time frame, there were a lot of people in D.C. who wanted to meet with us. Cindy Jacobs wanted to meet with us. Other people wanted to meet with us. But Dutch and I decided that was not our assignment. You say, well, that's Cindy Jacobs. You'd go and meet with her. It wasn't our assignment to meet with Cindy Jacobs. As a matter of fact, if we had done that, we would have gotten off of our assignment. It had been nice to see her, and she probably would have prophesied over us. But we had the word of the Lord. And the assignment of heaven was on us. So we focused on our assignment. This is something you need to grab hold to. You need to focus on why God has placed you in the earth and do that. Do what he has placed you here to do. Don't get sidetracked by all. You see, I'm, 
I'm not sidetracked by all of the pains that America's going through right now. I'm not sidetracked by the protesters. I'm keeping my face is set as flint, and I'm focusing on the will of God in America and in Florida. They're going to, cont- and I believe that you're going to see more and more of what you've seen over the last month and a half, two months. I believe you're going to see more and more of it until Jesus comes. I really do. And, and I say, bring it on. Because there, there come a, a mighty move of God that will hit those people that are so opposing God in this earth. It's going to hit them. It's going to be a wave of revival come upon them in Jesus' name. Being the ecclesia means that we release kingdom rule in the earth. Being the ecclesia means that we are to heavenize the earth. Being the ecclesia is saying that we are to take dominion according to the will of God in the earth. Being the ecclesia is meaning, says we're to disciple nations. Now let me share with you what I can't take dominion over and what you can't take dominion over. Me or you. I can't take dominion over you. Because you have to walk in your own free will. And I've seen preachers and others and moms and dads who want to take dominion over everything that goes on. And it's my way or the highway and all that stuff, you know. And, um, <laughs> and when you're doing that, you're not operating in kingdom. You're operating in Jezebel. I can't take authority over you. You can't take authority over me. In Psalms 115, verse 16, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. The stewardship of this earth belongs to us. It doesn't belong to the enemy. It doesn't belong to the progressive. It doesn't belong to the left. It belongs to the ecclesia. We're to steward this earth. We're to be stewards of it. I firmly believe that we do not have a carbon footprint problem. We have a sin problem in the world. The Lord even stated in 2 Chronicles 7, 15, if you see these things come upon the earth, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what? Pray. There's that word again. And pray and do what? Seek my face. There we are going again, seeking his face. That, and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. You may think we have a carbon footprint problem, and that's a good thing to blame it on when you don't understand spiritual laws. We have a sin problem. Matter of fact, it's already been proven when Fiji, the island of Fiji, repented for the missionary being eating, eaten back in the 1800s. The power of God came back to the island. Their fisheries filled with fish. Their waters that were impure became pure. You you know that water you get in the store called Fiji? That comes from Fiji. And it's the waters of Fiji. But before the revival, before God broke out in the island, they could not ship that water over here because it was so impure. They had fighting going on between the different factions of Fijians and different ethnic groups that lived there. where They were having gang wars and stuff like that. And now they've all but ceased because they move into a realm of prayer. The elders of the island, the Christian elders, came together and said, what can we do to change this? And they began looking at their history of a man, a Fijian, years ago who killed a missionary sent from England 
killed a missionary, and the priest who killed him was planning to eat him. And a lady came out of her tent and said, do not eat this man, because if you do, you're going to bring a curse on the Fijians. He cooked him and ate him anyway. And when that happened, it literally brought a curse. Their waters all of a sudden had no fish. Said ocean's got plenty of fish out there. You want to know why we have to control our fisheries around the nation? Because we have a sin issue. That's why. There's nothing wrong with the fisheries. Nothing wrong with There's plenty of fish in the ocean. And these elders got together and said, let's see if we can find a direct descendant. So they got a direct descendant of this missionary and brought him to the Fiji Islands, paid all of his expenses, brought him there, and then they repented as a nation, as an ecclesia to him, and immediately everything shifted in the Fijian Islands. Go and watch the video. It's called Let the Sea Resound. You can get it off of Amazon. The Sentinel Group produced that. Listen to this. Going back to Psalms 115, verse 16. We are to steward this earth. The Fijians were stewarding their islands. Many times we say God is in control. And I have a problem with us saying that. Because if God is in control, then why do women get raped every day? If God is in control, then why do we have racism across this nation? Why do we have anti-Semitism across this nation, across the world? Here's what I say. Because God has given the earth to the sons of men, he is in charge, but he's not in control. It's like... When my kids were growing up, our, our kids wrecked all of our cars. Every car we had, our kids wrecked them. I know, anybody have a wreck when you was a teenager? I had a couple of them. Some of you did. And you learn from that. And so when my kids are in my house, I'm in charge. But when I give them the key to my car, guess who's in control? They are huge difference. See, God's in charge, but he's put the control of the earth into our hands, into the hands of the ecclesia. You and I are the ones who govern the spiritual climate over the space coast. I'm so thankful that when Chuck was here a few weeks ago, that he said the atmosphere over this place is different than it was 10 years ago when he was here. You know, I'm saying a lot, but something has shifted in the atmosphere over the space coast. Something has shifted. It's moving, God's moving it toward revival. The ecclesia is praying, and the ecclesia is partnering with the Lord and is seizing what God has said He wants the space coast to be. So remember, God is in charge, but you're in control. Spiritual climate in your house doesn't feel right? Change it. Change it. You have authority, and I'll be teaching on that soon. You have authority to change that spiritual climate in your house. Take that authority. Wield that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, throughout your house and watch your atmosphere change. In 1 Peter 2 9, this is out of the King James Version. I know you've got, I've got written on their New American Standard, but just pardon me for that mistake. 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is one of my favorite scriptures. We used to sing this back in the 70s. Anybody remember singing this? For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness, into his marvelous light, into his marvelous light. Now, how many of you never heard that before? Just raise your hand. <clears throat> Quite a few of you. None of the millennials have heard that. We, yeah, our songs back in the charismatic movement was almost all scripture. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to, I want to break this down for you. First of all, he says, you're a chosen generation. That word there, generation, means offspring. It's the Greek word genos, or where, you get our, where we get our word genetics. Genetics is what your mom and dad put into you. Your, your, your genetics are most like your mom and dad. Here, however, here, he's saying you've been born again, so now you have the, the genetics of a royal priesthood, a kingly priesthood. You are royal offspring, genos, offspring or kin. You're royal kin. That's why that when people walk in the third heaven realm or they walk as royalty as a son or daughter, they love hanging around people that understand what it means to be a daughter or son of the kingdom. Heavenly people will walk together and earthly people will walk together. Birds of a feather do what? Flock together. So now listen to this. You're not only a holy offspring, a chosen offspring. You're a royal, basilius, royal priesthood. You're both king and priest, just like Melchizedek. Melchizedek was both priest and king. He offered up to God, but he also made kingly decrees. Abraham, first time we see tithe given is by Abraham. Abraham gave a tenth of everything that he had. And all of a sudden, you see it over in the New Testament where Levi is recognized for having paid tithes through Abraham, the tribe of Levi. I find that amazing that God was honoring Abraham's tithe all the way down through the generations. That's why it's good for you to tithe because not only is your life going to be blessed, the generations of the seed behind you are going to be blessed also when you tithe. Listen. People say, well, is it it's not biblical anymore that you have to tithe. I'll tell you what, you may be right, but I will tell you this, is that God is not bound to open the windows of heaven for you if you don't pay tithes. I just threw that in there for free. And he goes and he talks about showing forth or to show forth the praises of him. That word show forth, it means to decree, to declare, to make known, to tell or publish. The praises of him. The word praises there is a reet in the Greek. And it means this. The superiority of God. The excellence of quality or feature. 
When you and I begin making decrees according to the will of God, we are decreeing that God is superior in this. God is bigger. He's bigger than this governor's race. He's superior to this Senate race. He's superior to Trump. He's superior to all the politicians. He's superior to me. He's superior to you. When we make decrees, we're decreeing God's superiority in the earth. He's saying, I'm supreme over this. You pray what I'm praying. And you're going to see me rule. You're going to see me reign when you decree what I am decreeing in the earth. Why, why, just can't God, why can't God just do this? Does he have to have me? Yes. Let's go back to Psalms 115, verse 16. The earth he's given to the sons of men. Smith Wigglesworth said this, that God can do nothing in the earth except he do it through a man. He's bound by that. He wants to move in, through you and operate through you. We'll get to this thing on authority. It's really going to help you because I'm going to teach you how to move in authority and get that timidity off of you. I'm going to show you how to an attack in a sermon, not in your own strength, not in your loud voice. I'm going to show you how to attack in prayer, not in your own strength, not in the loudness of your voice. I'm going to show you how to attack in worship. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.17, he told Jeremiah, he said, Do not be dismayed. As you stand before them. He said, if you're, if you're dismayed, he said, I will dismay you before them. Do not be dismayed. Don't operate in fear. Operate in authority. It's a good word there. Okay. Here comes a kingly decree. We're going to put into action 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. This is a kingly decree, not a priestly petition. This is very important. We were in Fernandina Beach many years ago, Cheryl and I and our spiritual daughter, Wendy, had gone with us. We saw her yesterday. Her mother-in-law just passed away, and we went to see her and her husband and, and uh, other siblings of the family. And, but Wendy was with us on this particular trip, and I was making this decree into the ancient gates of Fernandina Beach area, that whole first coast area where Florida was first inhabited, where the first Protestant prayers were prayed on that entire First Coast region. It wasn't called the First Coast then. The Spanish called it La Florida. And it actually was larger than what you see. It encompassed all the way up to Louisiana and part of Texas. La Florida did. You need to give our land back to us. <laughs> Just kidding. We were making this decree of Psalms 24-7. And when I said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Wendy, she walks in a third round, third heaven round. And the gates responded and said to her, who is this king of glory? I'd never heard anybody say this before. Who is this king of glory? So you start making decrees, the gatekeepers of the region, whether they're the angels or whether they're demons, they're going to want to know who is the king that you're talking about. 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The gatekeepers over the space coast, the gatekeepers in Florida, the gatekeepers in this nation are going to cry out and say, Who is this King of glory? And you rise back up and you say, He is the Lord, strong and mighty. He is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You answer them back. Woo! Oh, that's so good. Dutch and I, when we were in D.C., he had a picture. A youth group had, left, had gone from North Alabama, I think it was, or Tennessee, had gone up and were praying at the Capitol. And they took a picture of their group praying. And in this picture, you see a demon. I've never seen a demon in a picture before. I've seen them stand in front of me, but I've never seen one in a picture. And so Dutch and I are trying to decide and determine where this demon was. We're looking at the picture. We're looking out in front of the Capitol here. Where, where was this demon? And we're walking around trying to find this place. And all of a sudden, Dutch said, these demons are probably everywhere. Not just in that one spot. They're probably everywhere. And so we started answering the gatekeepers in Washington, D.C. We started decreeing for the gates to open up for the king of glory to come in. We were in Tallahassee last week, and on Friday of, of last week, no, the week before, Friday before, uh, we had gone to the governor's mansion, and the lady who is the curator there had gone to D.C., and th this lady blew me away. She's a Catholic, loves Jesus, and prays with authority. Doesn't she, Cheryl? She was powerful. She was up in D.C. She said, I saw this demon in this certain spot. I said, where? She said, this certain spot. And I started to describe it to me. And she started describing it. I said, Dutch and I were there a month ago or two months ago. And we saw this same, de same demon in this same spot. The reason the Lord lets you see things like that is so that you can begin exercising kingly dominion in the earth doesn't let you see him just for the sake of you seeing him. <gasps> I saw a demon. I'd rather see angels any day. People say, we got witches among us. Big deal, we got witches among us. I've got angels among me. I have an angel army that assists me and goes with me everywhere I go. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be ye lifted up, you ancient doors. I'm going to tell one more story and then this last scripture here. We were in D.C. Cheryl was with me. Dutch was up there. Uh, we were doing a meeting on Wednesday before the National Day of Prayer. We did it in a Methodist church. We rented a Methodist church about three or four blocks behind the Supreme Court. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover used to go to the, that Methodist church. Some of you know who he is. Some of you that are millennials may not know who he is. He went to this church when he was alive. But our Wednesday meeting was just absolutely off the chain. I mean, the presence and power of God entered into that place like crazy. So we're going to go back on Thursday night. We're going to do the same thing. Power of God's going to hit this place. We're going to rock Washington, D.C. And all of a sudden, we have the same national leader. I'm there. Jeremy Burke's there. And we start into worship, and it's just dead as a doornail. Jeremy's struggling to get things off the ground, and it's not coming off the ground. And Dutch walks across the aisle. I'm sitting on this side of the aisle. He's sitting over here. He walks across, and he says, what do you think this is? I said, I don't know, but it sure doesn't feel good. I said, maybe the people are tired. There I am going thinking, thinking earthly. So he goes back over here, and 
Jeremy's working and working and working, trying to get this thing shifted, and nothing is shifting. He comes back over here, and he says, the Lord just showed me what this is. He's, he's showing you and I, us, what these people fight in D.C. all the time. So we got up there, and we started doing harp and bow. The harp and bow started going on, and Dutch and I are going back and forth. We get some people up there to help us, and we're going back and forth, and nothing is shifting. I actually decreed Psalms 24, 7 through 10, and nothing shifted. Then a lady who is a pastor there in D.C. by the name of Donna Pisani, she came up, and she started talking about the gates of the region and the gates that you have in your life. And she said, the scripture says in Psalms 24, 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And she said, you know what? Your head is a gate. What you let come in through these eyes, what you let come out of this mouth, you're a gatekeeper of this head. She started talking about the head being a gate. And then this lady began to decree Psalms 24, 7 through 10, which I had decreed 20 minutes earlier. And all of a sudden, bam, the heavens opened up. And the king of glory came into that meeting. It didn't matter if you were tired. You knew the king of glory had entered into that place. See, I'm saying, telling you all of that to tell you this right here is that these gates will respond. Sometimes it's waiting for the right person to say it. Sometimes it's waiting for the right authority to say it. But they will respond. We've opened up the gates in St. Augustine many times. But Job 22, verse 28. I love this scripture. You will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. Back when we were in the charismatic movement, we decreed everything we wanted. We didn't know whether or not God wanted it. If we wanted it, we would decree it. We would bind what we didn't like. We would lose what we liked. We lose so many new cars in our life. So many. Anybody beside me did that? And we didn't always get it because it, always, it wasn't always the will of God. And I saw something in the scripture several years ago that helped shift the way that I think. And it says here, you also decree a thing. Now, if you look at that just in the way that it's written here, you will just think anything, but it's not anything. This word here, thing, is the Hebrew word omer, O-M-E-R. And when you break it down into its root, omer means decree so he's saying there he's saying you will also decree a decree if you go to my website one of the things I have across the top of it is decreeing his decree at least I think I do decreeing his decree because that's what I want to decree if you decree his decree then it shall be done for you and the light will shine on your way if you want your family saved you start decreeing it Stop asking, stop, stop beating them with religion. That's a good word there. If you have a spouse that's not saved, whether husband or wife, quit beating them up with religion. Quit telling them their sin's going to find them out. And just start loving them with the agape kind of love. Amen. You start loving them. If they don't come to church with you when you get home today, you just start loving on them. Tell them how great a person they are. Just go ahead and give all kind of love and blessings upon them. And all of a sudden, they're going to say, hey, what's going on at that church? 
she's coming home or he's coming home differently. I need to go find out what's happening there. That's what my wife told the preacher who kicked us out of the Baptist church because he didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And we were, I was speaking in tongues. And he told me, he says, that's of the devil. You're of the devil. Speaking in tongues is of the devil. And uh, my wife rose up and she said, how can the devil give you something that makes you love Jesus more, makes you read your Bible more, makes you love your wife and kids more? How can the devil give you something like that? And I'll just leave that with you. You start loving on people. Stand to your feet. If you need prayer today, the pastors are going to come down here, and they're going to be here to pray with you.